to Japan, this is Frank Ling. And from Chicago, Illinois, I'm Charles Lee. And this is the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Dr. Joseph Maroon will join us to discuss the longevity factor. So stay tuned for all this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And the world famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. show. Well, living a long and healthy life is a goal that most of us want to achieve, but with the sometimes bewildering amount of information regarding longevity, achieving this goal can often be challenging. Well, what are the steps to longevity? Joining us today to discuss this issue is Dr. Joseph Maroon. Dr. Maroon is a noted neurosurgeon at the University of Pittsburgh and is the team doctor for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was president of the Congress of Neurological Surgeons and is an active athlete himself competing in triathlons and Ironman competitions. His new book, The Longevity Factor, How Resveratrol and Red Wine Activate Genes for a Longer and Healthier Life, explores this issue for a general audience. Uh, Dr. Maroon, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. It's my great pleasure, Charles. Well, certainly our pleasure. I think this is a topic that a lot of people are interested in is how to live a longer and healthier life. How did you as a neurosurgeon become interested in the subject? Well... I attended a conference in Boston about three and a half years ago, and I heard David Sinclair speak, who is the head of the anti-aging lab at Harvard University. Frequently, we will have individuals from outside the neurosurgical discipline speak at our conferences, and David spoke on a subject of increasing longevity as well as reducing the problems such as cancer, heart disease, and stroke, which are the diseases of aging. And getting up into uh, some older years myself, it certainly caught my attention. Subsequently introduced myself to him, visited with him, and struck up a very good relationship and became fascinated by the subject of molecular biology and gene activation. Let me ask you a question, Charles. What's the only thing you, I, or anyone can do at the present time to increase our longevity and at the same time reduce the incidence of the diseases of aging that I just mentioned. And as you may correctly have guessed, it's calorie restriction or reducing the amount of calories that we consume and still maintain a normal diet. This was observed by Clive McKay, a scientist at Cornell University in the 1930s when he fasted animals to approximately 40% or gave them 60% of their normal diet and found that They not only lived almost 30 to 50% longer, but indeed they had less cardiovascular disease, cancer, and also neurodegenerative disease of the brain. But it hadn't been known why for the last 70 years, what happens when you calorie restrict to make you healthier and also potentially live longer. And in 1990s or so, it was discovered at MIT by neuroscientists Lenny Garenti, that when one calorie restricts, it's actually a stress on the body, but it's a good stress. Like the philosopher Nietzsche said, that which does not kill me makes me stronger. So that if you can calorie restrict and and survive it, 
and that's hard to do, quite frankly, at 40% reduction in your calories. It does make you stronger, but he discovered why. And that's the subject of my book, The Longevity Factor, and, and the subtitle, How Resveratrol and Red Wine Activate Genes for a Longer and Healthy Life. And it's what he discovered, that the stress of calorie restriction actually activates a newly discovered gene called the sirtuin, S-I-R-T-U-I-N, the sirtuin gene, or subsequently called the longevity or scarcity gene. And when this gene is activated with calorie restriction, incredibly good things happen in terms of carbohydrate, fat, and protein metabolism that increases longevity by acting directly at the cellular level and also reduces the incidence of the diseases of aging that we all eventually will be afflicted with. So that was my introduction and, and what I learned initially. And is the reason our bodies age because this gene is not normally activated? Well, that's an excellent question. It's not activated to the extent that you would get with stress or calorie restriction. That's correct. That's one of the reasons we do age. And, and it gets back again to gene activation and what that really means. If you think of genes as molecular blueprints on our chromosomes, and basically genes code or manufacture proteins when stimulated. So they're a set of molecular blueprints, say, sitting on a table. But to do anything, they have to be activated. So what activates our genes? What does that mean? Well, there are four things that are prime activators of genes. Number one is nutrition. If we ingest trans fatty acids, excessive carbohydrates, fatty meat to an excess, it activates our genes to form inflammatory products within our bodies, in our heart, our brain, and our organs. If you eat vegetables, fruits, lean meat, lean protein, fish, it activates our genes to form anti-inflammatory substances in our blood and in our organs. So there's a constant to and fro from inflammation and anti-inflammation, depending on what we eat and ingest. Now, what's the significance of inflammation? Well, Charles, as you well know from your shows and your own reading, common etiology or the common genesis, the common factor involved with cardiovascular disease, heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, arthritis, cancer, is inflammation. So the more inflammation that's in our bodies, the more likely we are to have damage that results in the diseases that I just mentioned. The more anti-inflammatory substances we consume and ingest, the less chance we will of having those. Now, having said that, 20 to 30% of the incidence of cancer and heart disease is genetically determined. 60 to 70%, however, is environmentally determined and our genes are activated by environmental stresses. Some people think that genetic determinism controls virtually everything that happens to us, and that is now known to be fallacious. It's, it's wrong. Our environmental factors play a much greater role in our health than the genetic factors in most people. And the other gene-activating things are exercise or physical work, 
environmental factors in our soil, in our air, in our water. Also, emotional stress. So nutrition, exercise, environmental factors, and emotional stress all activate genes to do not-so-good things to our bodies and our brains. So that's the basis of gene activation that I get into some detail in in the book, The Longevity Factor. Is it that as we get older, the activation of these inflammatory genes becomes a little more pronounced? Well, I I think so. That's true. But also the damage becomes cumulative. Mm. So that radiation that you may have had 10 years ago may, over the course of years, eventually result in a neoplasm, a, a malignancy of some sort, with the added accumulation of free radicals and stress that come from an inappropriate diet or other stresses. Smoking, for instance, there's cumulative damage from the gene activation of inflammatory compounds that eventually affect the chromosomes in the cells and the endothelial or the the lining of our blood vessels leading to the nasty diseases that I mentioned. Nutrition, as you mentioned, is being one of the prime uh, activators of these genes. And you talk about secret ingredients for uh, promoting the activation of these non-inflammatory genes. What's being at least recently more discussed is the incredible power of foods, specific foods, that have anti-inflammatory capabilities. And in this particular book, I speak about resveratrol and red wine being potent and powerful gene activators that can contribute to a longer and healthy life. And that's another story that I got interested in with David Sinclair, as I initially discussed, calorie restriction was the mechanism that was found in the discovery of the longevity genes. David Sinclair asked the question, is there anything else that we might do or ingest that might also activate these same longevity genes? And you asked this a bit earlier yourself, Charles. And so what he did, he took 20,000 compounds, mostly from plants and vegetables, and ran them through a a high-throughput analyzer and then tested them for their ability to activate the sirtuin gene. And he found that resveratrol, which is the active antioxidant primarily found in red grapes, activated the sirtuin gene in a manner comparable to calorie restriction. You have to think about that for just a second, what, what the implications of that are. He was saying that by taking this particular compound, resveratrol, you could simulate calorie restriction and have the same beneficial effects, which is a pretty powerful statement. But he subsequently then did several studies, he and others at the NIH, at the Genetics Institute in France, and in other laboratories, gave resveratrol to animals and found that it had amazing health benefits. It actually increased endurance when they were placed on a treadmill, on an inclined plane, one given and one withheld resveratrol. It increased insulin sensitivity. So for diabetics, this is a profound discovery. If you can take a natural polyphenol compound from grapes and increase your insulin sensitivity, which in diabetics is blunted, and also increase sugar or glucose utilization in the body, it serves as a potential new treatment 
for diabetes. It also, in many studies, has shown to protect against various cancers in cell lines and also in animals with human cancers in them and is an antiviral as well. So that it ends up that these compounds from plants with which we have co-evolved for millions of years actually, when ingested by people, activate genes for very healthy effects. And Dr. Sinclair coined the term xenohormesis, meaning xeno from other species and hormesis stressed, so that in xenotransplantation, it's a pig's liver, say, into a human. Xenohormesis is taking molecules from stressed plants into humans and then having profound positive effects on their physiology and biochemistry. Besides the grapes and red wines that you mentioned, are there other foods that contain the resveratrol? And that's an excellent question. And in the book, I have a, uh, a very large section actually on the so-called Xeno diet and the various foods are given a score in terms of their resveratrol and polyphenol content so that red wine, eggplant, black grapes, cherries, blueberries, dark chocolate, green tea, pomegranates, cranberries, all of these that we know from marketing by major companies are healthy for you. But the fact is they really are. They have incredible health benefits and really have powerful anti-inflammatory effects in our body and contribute to indeed a healthier and longer life. I also present a series of diets and diet recommendations that can be uh, followed in terms of the total Xeno diet picture. The culture's sort of been inundated by these messages of eating healthy and we sort of know what are good foods to eat. Why do you think it is that people still continue to eat unhealthily? Wow, that's a, that's a great question, which I also I try to address in the book as well. And I, I think we have to think as food, in many cases, as an addiction. We know that those who use marijuana or alcohol or other types of recreational, in quotes, drugs, do so in an extremely compulsive way and in an addictive way. And the reason for that is there are receptors on cells in our body, particularly in our brain, that get conditioned to needing these particular molecules, be it alcohol or marijuana or food. So certain foods are so-called feel-good foods, activate these receptors and release certain neurochemicals such as dopamine and oxytocin, which are the feel-good chemicals that truly are elevating in terms of our mood, our feeling tone. So it's hard to give those up once you've been conditioned. Another reason has to do with economics, particularly there's a statement, Engel's Law, that states that those in the lowest socioeconomic level spend the most on food because that's what they have to do to survive. And if you go into any grocery store, what foods give you the most bulk and the most quantity? It's the mostly the sugar filled or fructose impregnated drinks, the chips, the cookies, the cakes, all of the things 
that contribute to inflammation, to weight gain, and to obesity. So that what I try to do in the book is explain the cognitive aspect of it, if you would, the understanding that this is the problem, hoping that by understanding that being overweight and uh, having a, a weight problem is not always just lack of willpower. And there's a considerable amount of discrimination in people who are overweight. But there is, in that case, there is a genetic uh, factor. There's an environmental factor uh, that is extremely important as well. So that there are multiple reasons for it, and I try to delve into them in more detail in the book. Hmm. Yourself being a big athlete as well, we would have to talk about is the role of exercise. I think it's absolutely a key feature in terms of weight reduction. And when I'm talking about exercise, I'm not talking about Ironman triathlons. I'm talking about walking 15 to 30 minutes a day at a brisk pace and then gradually increasing it if you can. But it's estimated that if individuals would walk 30 to 45 minutes a day, it would reduce the incidence of diabetes perhaps in half. Exercise has many, many extremely beneficial features in terms of muscle physiology, sugar or glucose utilization, and also it actually contributes to making new brain cells which enhance memory and cognitive and analytical function. When one exercises particularly aerobic activity, we now know that new brain cells are actually formed and prompted to form by a compound called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which contributes to what's called neuronogenesis or the formation of new brain cells. It used to be thought that we're given literally, and it is the number, about 100 billion brain cells and every day we lose millions of cells and that uh, there's some truth to that but also we do now know that we can regenerate brain cells and certainly enhance the connection, the synapses where the cells meet and where memory is stored we can enhance this with exercise and the many good things that occur physiologically and biochemically when we do exercise. You can give maybe some final words regarding um, the whole issue of uh, resveratrol and exercise. Sure. In the book, I discuss that probably the most important thing that we can do to help ourselves is not only balance our diet, but first balance our lives. And I present and give a formula in the book for balancing one's life that I've given to thousands of physicians across the country. And it's one of the few things that they remember I have to say, <laughs> the formula for balancing your life. It's very simple. And if followed, I guarantee that that will occur. And a, a part of that is exercise. And it will lead to a balanced diet, to weight loss, and also to enjoying life like we're meant to. And the new book is called The Longevity Factor, How Resveratrol and Red Wine Activate Genes for a Longer and Healthier Life. Uh, Dr. Maroon, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. It's my pleasure, and thank you. And you were just listening to Dr. Joseph Maroon discussing The Longevity Factor. This is the Grok Science Show. Coming up in just a few minutes, it's the Grokatron 5000 and the world-famous Question of the Week. So stay tuned. Well, summer came along and then it was gone and so was she. But not from him, cause he followed her just to let her know. Her dreams are dreams. 
And all this living's so much harder than it seems But girl, don't let your dreams be dreams You know this living's not so hard as it seems Don't let your play the game. It's the Grokatron 5000. It's our supercomputer formerly known as Deep Blue. Today the Grokatron 5000 would like to know for the falling five items whether or not you think they're going to be long-lived or if they're just a flash in the pan and maybe a little reason why. Okay, Dr. Maroon, you ready to play the game? Yes. Okay, uh, item number one, long-lived or just a flash in the pan, the iPod. The iPod. (laughs) I would say that it's going to be a flash in the pan. <laughs> it's going to be replaced by something better. <laughs> All right, number two, uh, Texas Hold'em Poker. I think that will have a long life. Uh, gambling is also an addictive thing, and it's like many other things that are addictive in our society. That or a form of it will not perish. <laughs> okay. Uh, number three is the Atkins diet. Flash in the pan, and there's a lot of data to support that at this point. All diets, and there was a recent paper in the New England Journal of Medicine, which they compared all diets, high-fat, low-fat, high-carb, low-carb. And the key is reduction of calories and also increased activity in terms of exercise. Mm. So uh, I don't think that that's going to be a long life. Okay. Number four, long-lived or flash in the pan, Britney Spears. Britney Spears. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pass on that. I'm going to throw that one back to you, Charles. (laughs) She certainly has... Lazarus-like came back from a a very hard fall. So I I have to say she does have resilience and very well could have longevity. Okay. All right, and finally, number five, it's the Super Bowl champions, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Definitely a long life. Most likely we'll repeat next year. Okay. (laughs) Going to put money on that one? (laughs) I'm putting my career on. Okay. All right. Well, Dr. Maroon, I want to thank you for uh, sticking around, playing the game. And again, of course, talking about your book, which is The Longevity Factor, How Resveratol and Red Wine Activate Genes for a Longer and Healthier Life. Thank you very much. My pleasure, Charles. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here at Groks, you can email us at groks at hotmail.com. For the Grok Science Show, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.